What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Fan Response. We're on Fan Response episode 28. This is the MI6 Sports Network. Got a quick announcement before we get into introducing our special guest, Stephen Gillespie. We are now going to be going under the moniker, the MI6 Sports Network. Ryan came up with the name. Shout out to Ryan for coming up with that name. Our conglomerate page, Quarantine Chats, we're hoping it to get it changed to the MI6 Sports Network, and it'll feature all three of our shows, Fan Response, Quarantine Chats, and No BS. I'm joined here today by Ryan Schreiner, Trevor Williams, Isaiah Leung, and of course, our special guest, Stephen Gillespie. I've got his show links attached. Everybody, he's from uh, Breaking the Game and All Aspects Sports. But Stephen, I give you an opportunity to kind of uh, market your channels and tell us what you're all about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, Stephen, um, you know, I'm a big fan of your name. You know, first off, congratulations on the MI6 moniker, Ryan. That's a great name, man. Good job thank with you, that. Thank you. Just want to yeah. um, thank you guys so much again for having me. I had so much fun. I've been keeping up with you guys since my last episode. And, uh, you know, every time I get a chance, I love watching you guys. But um, yeah, if you want to follow me, um, you can look up my podcast. It's Breaking the Game podcast with Stephen Gillespie. Um, you can find it on iTunes, you know, anywhere you get your podcast. Um, you mentioned All Aspects Sports earlier. Steven, that's the name of my website that's set to launch on August 1st. Going to have a lot of great content. I just interviewed Dwayne Rankin of Arizona Republic um, yesterday. Tomorrow I get to interview Bob Rathbun of the Atlanta Hawks. You know, he's a play-by-play guy. He sits right next to Dominique Wilkins. So super excited to get to pick his brain and talk NBA. But yeah, you're going to be able to find podcasts like that and great written content on that website as well. And yeah, looking forward to hitting the ground running and try to, you know, get get a couple of channels and shows and stuff just like you guys, man, just trying to stay grounded. Yeah, I've been noticing that you've been keeping up with some of our content, man. Really appreciate it. Your input's really spectacular as well. Like talking about how the Mahomes deals, basically two contracts and everything. I see you've been keeping up with us, man, but you know, a little funny story is that um, when we first brought on Stephen Gillespie, who is our first recurring special guest, actually, guys. So congratulations there. But Thank when you. we Thank first you. brought him on the show, Isaiah hadn't told me, given me the rundown of kind of, you know, what his occupation was and kind of what sites he was running. So the entire time when I was doing the um, podcast with you and I, w- I was listening to some of your points and you were writing notes down diligently, I totally thought you were like, a pro at this like this was your full-time occupation <laughs> you know you were some kind of mark medina for the arkansas razorbacks down there i wish i mean yeah i mean i i don't know first off if to say thank you or or not for saying that you thought i was a professional professional but i'm not so i don't know if that's a that's a compliment steven but I'll, I'll take it as one anyway no but for real um yeah isaiah had reached out to me and uh you know, he was pretty diligent and keeping up with me and make sure I was, you know, ready to come on the show, kept me up to date. And again, guys, I had so much fun with you guys and, uh, you know, love supporting the show. Any chance I get, like I said, when I see you all on live and I don't have anything going on, I'm watching. Steven, you mentioned I'm, I'm writing, you know, stuff like Russell Wilson is MVP. And yeah, I look at the Patrick Mahomes sure is, deal man. as a bargain uh, because – you got him locked up for 10 years. Dude's a stud. You're probably going to get a couple rings with him. You got young guys around him. And uh, they just locked up, you know, Jones, too, on the defensive end when everyone was like, oh, the, you know, cap is strapped now. So, I don't know. Chiefs are looking good. But, yeah, again, just had such a great time. And looking forward to, 
you know, hearing your guys' thoughts on these awesome topics that you guys have ready for the show today. Yeah, one more thing before we get into our awesome topics. I got to give props to my guy, Ryan Schreiner, co-host of this show, Fan Response Podcast. He's the one who came up with the MI6 Sports Network moniker. So I got to give him an opportunity. Ryan, how did you come up with a show name for us or network name? Well, our group has a total of six people. Trevor and Isaiah run Opius, as you know. Me and Steven run Fan Response. And then on quarantine chats, uh, sometimes Shree and uh, Martin join us. So we had a group of six. So I literally Googled cool group names for six people. And the MI6, MI6 group came up. So I was like, oh, MI6 Sports Network. And really, that was, that was pretty much it. Nothing really too special there. All right. Well, yeah, I'm Keep it simple, excited. Ryan. Keeping it simple. I love it. Mission I'm Impossible 6. <laughs> Mission Impossible 6. I love it, man. There you go. Sometimes Isaiah's takes can be a little Mission Impossible, man. But <laughs> As long as you guys don't have Tom Cruise on this show, I'll, I may come back. But if you get Tom Cruise on here, uh, I can't make you any promises. <laughs> oh, man, that'd be a lot to live up to. But I think you can do it, Steven. Uh, I don't know if I could handle being being on a show with Tom Cruise as, as popular as he is. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into our first topic here. Bleacher Report recently released a rank of the top 100 NBA players of this season, guys. So the biggest disclaimer here is that it's based on this season's production alone. My guy, Martin Garcia, who, you know, broke the news to us, had to, you know, make that disclaimer several times, kind of clarify to me, Stephen, before you get all heated about everything, you know, it's all based on this season alone. Because when I first heard this list, man, I was like, Chris Middleton at number 10? Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the world, better than LeBron? Come on, guys. You guys are all sleeping. You're not sleeping. You're comaing out there, man, with those kind of takes. And then Jimmy Butler, number nine. I love the guy, but there were some hot takes in this list. You know, unfortunately, I can't get the exact list pulled up. So I'm going to try to get the analytical stats out here. And this one is not the top 100 list, but this kind of shows you analytically when they took VORP, when they took measures like BPM and plus minus on the court, the averages of where everybody fell. Obviously, you know, Giannis and LeBron falling kind of in the top 10 range, top five range, obviously. And then... You have Kawhi Leonard in there as well, Jimmy Butler, a host of pretty great players here. And this is kind of what we got here in our list. So I want to go to um, Stephen. What was your initial reaction to this top 10 list of you know, Giannis number one, LeBron number two, Kawhi number three, and then Anthony Davis at eight. And at number 10, we had Chris Middleton. Yeah, so um, for those of you who know me, like you guys do, right, I'm a big NBA guy, so I love when people put a list together because obviously, you know, I want to see what their opinions are, what their takes are, and then put my input on it, right? I, when I first saw the list, like most lists, right, like I think initially when you look at a list, you look at the first couple names, you're like, oh, okay, this is fine, but you get to that point to where you start seeing you know, Jimmy Butler on there and Chris Middleton. And I get that those guys have had good years, right? There's, you know, I think that, well, first off, we'll just start with the low-hanging fruit, right? That that being Chris Middleton. I don't want to beat the guy up because I do love his game, and I think he is important to what Milwaukee's doing this year. 
But to say that he's the 10th best player of the entire NBA this season when he's predominantly a standstill shooter, like he is not like he can create some offense, but he's not the offensive creator. He also just so happy. I don't know if you see the guy who's ranked number one on the list being Giannis Antetokounmpo. That guy is his teammate. You know, he's probably going to win another MVP this year. He takes so much pressure off of Chris Middleton now, Chris Middleton, for his part, he he makes the shots, you know. So, I mean, there's something to be said there. But I just don't see him being there. I love Jimmy Butler. I don't like saying that he shouldn't be a top 10 player. But he happens to be playing, you know, under a really good coach in Eric Spolstra. He happens to have Bam Adebayo, who, if you look on this list, is averaging a double-double with five assists and a steal on a block in a game. He's not really been super efficient this year either, you know, from the line or from deep. His playmaking has been there, but they're also super deep. They have a really, really deep team. So when I started looking at those, I basically took those two out of the top 10, inserted a couple players, and then kind of just reshuffled the deck from there. So I can share my top 10 real quick. I didn't disagree with I didn't disagree with the top three. I like Giannis, LeBron, Kawhi in that order. I'm a big Kawhi guy. But, you know, I think with the amount of games that he's missed – and speaking of missed games, there are several players who weren't on this list because of missed games and injuries and things of that nature. So guys like Kevin Durant, Luke Kennard, you know, Marvin Bagley III. list goes on and on and on. But anyway, so one, two, and three are Giannis, LeBron, Kawhi. Have Luka fourth. Damian Lillard next at fifth. I have Harden followed by Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis – Jason Tatum is my first guy who didn't appear in the top 10, although he was right outside it at number 11. And then number 10 is Chris Paul. Now, I, I like the list that you have here. You have, you know, him, he's tied with Jimmy Butler in that average and catch-alls rank, right? And if you right. look at the – if you understand what happened this offseason, Houston not only wanted to get rid of him, right, but they paid to get rid of him for Russell Westbrook. They didn't just trade him. They incentivized the trade by adding draft picks. So Chris Paul went to a team that had Shea Gilgis Alexander, who great player, only a second year guy though, and he wasn't a superstar where he came from, right? Danilo Gallinari, Steven Adams, an injured Andre Robertson, and the list goes on from, you know, Dennis Schroeder's had a nice year, but not much was expected of the Thunder. Chris Paul was actually rumored to be bought out, maybe even traded. And now they're fifth in the West over teams like Houston. So uh, I think that that speaks volumes to where he should be in a top 10. And real quick, too, I want to just say there's a lot of people who think that because Russell Westbrook, his response to this was to say, ha, 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 to Bleacher Report for like six lines on social media. And a lot of people think that he should be a top 10. My question I would like to pose to you guys and, you know, hear your take. And maybe some of you guys have Russell Westbrook in your top 10. How can Houston have two top 10 talents, if you include Westbrook with Harden, how can they have two top 10 talents and be outside the top half of their conference? You know, maybe there's some overinflation in the infatuation that you have for those players. There's six in the West under teams like I just mentioned OKC, you know, and Utah and, and other teams, Denver, the list goes on and on. How can you have two top 10 talents and be in the bottom half of your conference? Yeah, and I think that's a great point there. I think as much as people fall prisoner to the moment, they also fall prisoner to history, you know, and 
when I first looked at this list, I was like, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's great and everything, and he is the runaway MVP for this year. He's been the most consistent throughout the regular season. He's carried the Bucks past 60 wins. You know, it's going to be back-to-back years, and he's he's averaging near triple-double. The guy's just an absolute monster on the court, but I just don't think he has done it at the highest level in the playoffs. Because you look at number two on the list, LeBron, number three on the list, Kawhi. Kawhi especially just outplayed the dude in the playoffs last year. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that Kawhi is not a great player or anything, but when you have the number three player outplaying you, you think, how can you be the best player in the world? But we got to stay grounded. Remember, it's based off of this season's production. Then later on, I saw Middleton at number 10, and that was like, wow. I mean, these reporters, I feel like, they're just picking the best players out of the winning teams and not really looking at it anything. But you look at the spreadsheet and everything they got here, they really did put a lot into these stats. And you got to remember guys like Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and Stephen Curry, they're out of the list because they haven't played the minimum of 800 minutes or 500 minutes to be on the list. So that clears up a lot of space for guys like Jimmy Butler, Chris Paul, to potentially sneak into that top 10. And so when you look at really the methodology of the list and you kind of understand it that way, you can understand why guys like Westbrook are outside of the top 10 or you know Middleton is at number 10. And to your Westbrook point, I don't have a really great way to answer that. All, I think the only thing that um, I'm kind of relying and hinging on is that he'll put it all together in the playoffs and be able to upset that third seed in the Nuggets. Because I do think the Nuggets are very, very much um, the fake idea of the NBA. I think they were a big time regular season team. And last year they were the two seed. And I fully believe that if they had advanced to the conference finals, they would have been completely bashed by that Warriors team. They wouldn't have been competitive. Most teams aren't, <laughs> you know, I, most teams that aren't. It's true, but I mean, they were, they were losing by 30 points in the regular season to the Warriors. Oh it, yeah, it wasn't like the Blazers. The Blazers were competitive with them in every game. Yeah, and but I look at this list and I'm already see places where they kind of fudged their own numbers. They didn't have Christian Wood, the 20th best player, on their list, and and that's just one that just jumps off the page at me right now. If I took the time to pick it apart based off this list, they they reshuffled their own deck. So I don't think that even they believe in what's going on with these catch-all ranks. That being, you know, them being Bleacher Report. And again, I just this prisoner of the moment, like you said, it, but you you also there is some eye test that has to be done on this too. You know, you're not going to see Chris Middleton carry a team. You're just not. And the, and the thing is, the first thing we they teach us in stats class, you know, is that statistics does not equal causation. Correlation does not equal causation. Yep. Statistics is not something that can make decisions for you. It's there to help assist in your decision-making, to assist in your analysis, but it's ultimately the human that has to make those decisions. That's why we have investors on Wall Street. That's why we have financial advisors. That's why we have statisticians and accountants. We have humans to analyze this data because the data, the numbers, contrary to popular belief, can lie. I mean, I understand Westbrook is number 37 here on you know, average analytics list. But, but they put him at 22nd on their Westbrook, list. 
But everybody knows that Westbrook is better than number 37 and better than number 22. Like that one, they, 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 I guess they did kind of uh, account for it on their list, but all I'm saying is the numbers are there to assist you. They can't make the decisions for you. Ultimately it's still up to, you know, the viewers and it's up to the coaches to make the decisions and create that winning basketball. Mm -hmm. But on the uh, topic of Westbrook, I am a huge Westbrook fan. I love the guy. I know there's a lot of people that hate him, but I personally love him. But even as a fan of his, I don't think Bleacher Report was that far off. Now, I think they have him just a little low. I would like to see Kyrie Irving lower than Russell Westbrook. But Kyrie should have been excluded from this list. I mean, I'll get to Kyrie later when I give my take on it. But, but yeah, I think... I honestly don't think Bleacher Report got it that wrong. I think somewhere around 20 is pretty pretty good for Westbrook because his efficiency on defense has gone down in recent years and being the second or being the number 2 guy on a team has made him a little less efficient or not efficient but a little less of like a game changer because he's not that great a shooter. We all know this. So if you take the ball out of his hands as the primary ball handler and force him to sometimes spot up. He's just not going to be the same player. So given the decline in defense, his inability to shoot threes and the fact that he's become a number two guy instead of a number one, I think around 20 is pretty, pretty good because he can still score with the best of them rebound pass. He can do, do it all. It's just that the categories I mentioned has made him, just not the same player he was back in 2016 and 17, where he was most definitely a top 10 player. But now I agree around 20, maybe 21 is probably, probably where he should be. Honestly. I wanted to add on to that. I, I think Russell Westbrook should be a little bit higher because just looking at stats alone, though he didn't play all 82 games this year, only 53. He was averaging 27 and a half points per game. So it's like he was on track if he continued that same pace up to his like almost 2016, 2017. He was still producing a lot of assists. He had seven so far out of the 53 games he ended up playing. Total rebounds, about eight offense and defense combined. So Russell should be up there because if you look at Chris Paul's numbers, they're nothing like that. So I don't know how you end up sitting down and like looking at all those players' stats, steals, and assists, and you're saying Chris Paul is way better than Russell Westbrook. It just doesn't align. Yeah, I think just real quick to speak to that, Trevor, one, you have to look at team impact. And again, you know, it goes back to a couple points I made, right? Chris Paul was, you know, basically he, he had to, they had to be incentivized to take him in Oklahoma City, right? Like, there's also like just stuff that you can't antiquate, you know, in, in a statistic, right? Like the team didn't want him, you know, they wanted him gone and they paid the team to take him. And so when you look at that and you look at who Oklahoma city had on their roster, they outperformed their overall win expectation. Right. And then on the flip side of that, if Russell Westbrook is so good and we all know that James Harden is a, you know, a top 10 player as well. How can they both be top 10 and not even make the top half of their conference? You know, I get that there's roster issues. I know they don't have a traditional big man, but for half the season they did. And Russell Westbrook couldn't play alongside a traditional big man. That's why they got rid of him. And now everybody's 
complaining that they built a team to kind of suit Russell Westbrook's strengths and weaknesses. You know, there's not a statistic, there's not statistical data to show, you know, what, you know, for how to evaluate why they traded when they traded him, you know what I mean? And how that affects mm-hmm. his overall player grade on this list, you know what I mean? So there's a couple things that you have to consider that the number, like Steven said earlier, you know, the, the numbers can't tell the entire story. And when you look at just stats, yeah, Russell Westbrook's going to jump off the pages. But I mean, sometimes the best player on a bad team is going to have better players than a good player on a deep team. That doesn't necessarily mean that the bad player or the best player on the worst team is better, right? It just means that they have more opportunity and availability to be able to put up those numbers because anybody in the NBA, if they're the star on their team, they're going to put up star numbers. It doesn't matter how efficient or not they are. They're the primary option. Anybody in the NBA is going to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And another thing is that you can look at stats like points, but the flip side of that, you can also look at stats like win share of which he ranks 72 in the NBA this season. Now, obviously he's much, much better than the 72nd player in the league. So so like stats can tell one story and they can also tell a different story. It all depends on the stats you look at. So I think what Steven or both Stevens have been trying to say is take all the stats into consideration, use the eye test and just put it all together to make this list. Cause going off just by advanced stats, he's way lower going off of the more traditional stats, like points, rebounds, assists. He's like top 10. It's, so you just have to like meet in the middle and, and yeah. And I think Bleacher Report did that pretty well at 20 because like, cause like the traditional stats put him closer to the top 10 and then the advanced mm-hmm. stats, advanced stats put him closer to the 30. So I say, in my opinion, around 20 is pretty good for Westbrook. Yeah. And I think anywhere so from like, like you can argue teens. Yeah. You can argue like anywhere for me personally, you can argue 17 to like 14 range because if you look at the guys that are ahead of him on this list, you know, Ben Simmons, I like Ben Simmons better. Paul George is ahead of him. You can talk me into that, but Rudy Gobert, I'll take Russell Westbrook over Rudy Gobert. Um, Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving's on that list. Uh, You can give me Russell Westbrook over Kyrie Irving, Kyle Lowry. I might take Kyle Bradley bill. I'll probably still take Russell Westbrook over Bradley bill. So I think that, I think that anywhere from like that 17 to, you know, 14 range, you can argue me up and down that, that, you know, little window one way or the other. I, yeah, I don't think he's top 10, but 22 is a little low from, from my liking. Yeah. And I think it's really tough um, when you're put in this situation, because when you're put in the situation where Bleacher Report says that it's literally just based on this season's production and you see Mm -hmm. the numbers there, it just, they don't match up to Westbrook being a top 10 player or even a top 20 player necessarily. Like Steven said, it's tough because while there's recency bias, they have made the disclaimer that this is based on this year's production alone. And so if you're saying he's just having a bad year, right, then you're kind of committing the opposite of recency bias. You're basically committing, you know, historical bias. Yeah. On a ranking that's based on this season alone. And so maybe a- they do put him lower because, I mean, this guy, it was coming off of years where he had a, you know, average triple-double a couple times. So, yes, I guess technically, statistically, this is a, a quote-unquote down year for him. But his down year is still pretty pretty daggum good. 
Yeah, for sure. And once they put that, it's based on this season's production alone. A lot of those arguments about what he did in the past kind of go to the window. And that's Mm going to be a tough situation to deal with there. And it's up to Russell Westbrook in the playoffs to prove us all wrong. Hey, maybe some, he pulls something crazy off and wins finals MVP. I wouldn't be mad at him. (laughs) Yeah. I'm hoping for that because as I said, I'm a huge Westbrook fan. I hope he plays a lot better than James Harden, who I don't like at all, simply because the way he plays, it's very boring and frustrating to watch. So I agree. If Russell Westbrook explodes in the playoffs and is like finals MVP, there will be no one happier than me. Yeah, I really hope that Westbrook takes this and plays with a total chip on his shoulder. In fact, I'm going to make that the fan question of the day. Is Russell Westbrook top 10 NBA player, guys? Be sure to vote in the poll we got up. Comment down in the comment section below. But I want to go down to Isaiah now, and he's definitely got his hot take ready for this top 100 NBA player list. And Isaiah, I got a good idea of who you're going to be repping today. All right. Oh, man, I've been... I've been waiting for this all week, but here we go. So my first reaction when I saw this list was I immediately clutched my heart and dropped to the floor in anguish because I was having a heart attack. I could not believe what I had just saw. I want to take a moment right now and extend an invitation to the writers and the creators of this list to come on one of our shows and debate me on it because it's utterly disgraceful and outrageous. I just lose brain cells when I read it. I have so many gripes about this list, but since we only got a certain amount of time, I've narrowed it down to my three biggest gripes. Number one. No, no way. Actually, let's start with number three and then go to one. Number three, Colin Sexton, not even in the top 100. Are you kidding me? I'm not saying you put him in the top 10, the top 20, the top 30, the top 50, or even the top 70. But I think this man deserves more respect than he's given. Look at all the players that are ahead of him. Guys like TJ Warren and Ricky Rubio. They're not scrubs. They're pretty good. But I would take Colin Sexton over them. Colin Sexton... He doesn't get any respect simply because he's playing in a small market in Cleveland. He's had a fantastic year, especially in the second half before the season cut off. I think that he should be in the top 100, maybe like in the 90s range. Um, Number two, Anthony Davis at number eight. That's one of the big problems I have with this list. It's absolutely ludicrous. Uh, Anthony Davis... You can make the case that he is one of the be- he is the best big man in the NBA. He's very versatile. The guy is a beast in the paint. The guy can also go out, shoot the three. He can handle the offense. He can handle the ball, which is very, very unique for a big man because normally when you think of a big, you don't think of bigs being able to handle the basketball. But Anthony Davis, he's a different cat. He can go handle the basketball. Number eight, I think, is way too low for him. I would put him over Luka Doncic. I know Luka's having a great year, but AD, man, he's a beast. He's doing it longer. And number one, I'm pretty sure you guys all know where I'm going to go with this one, and that is – Devin Booker at number 27. Are you freaking insane, Bleacher Report? 
This guy is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. He constantly gets disrespected, and it is so, so sad. That is why, as a huge Devin Booker fan, and also as a huge Lakers fan, I am hoping that in the year 2023, when Devin Booker is eligible to be a free agent, he leaves Phoenix and takes his talents to L.A. and a big market and join my Los Angeles Lakers so that he can showcase his talent in a big market and also alongside two other superstars in LeBron James and Anthony Davis and prove to all you haters out there how great of a basketball player Devin Booker is truly is. Devin Booker, since he's entered the NBA, has been one of the best offensive players we've seen he shoots the lights out from three which is valued very highly in today's nba he's got a terrific mid-range game the guy can handle the basketball run an offense he can also take the ball to the hole he can go get his own shot i mean just look at all these numbers devin booker there has there has only been two players besides devin booker in NBA history to post multiple seasons of 26 points per game and six assists per game before turning the age of 24. Anybody want to guess who those two players are? LeBron James has got to be one of them. Kobe Bryant. Yep. Steven, correct. LeBron James and Oscar Robertson alongside Devin Booker are the only players in NBA history to post multiple seasons of 26 points per game and six assists per game before they turned 24. And also, Devin Booker became the youngest guard to reach 7,000 career points. He passed the late, great Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace to you, Kobe. But Devin Booker, man, this guy is a beast. He's a baller. And I just – there's just – you can't tell me there are 26 players better than Devin Booker. You just can't. Uh, hey, Isaiah. So on one of my podcasts, I interviewed Logan Newman, who writes for ArizonaSports.com. Anybody who wants to look up Devin Booker stuff, please check this man out. You know, he turned me on to a stat that I know you're going to love. He leads the entire NBA in pass to assist percentage. Now, I know that seems like a minuscule stat, but if you look at the other cats that are on that list, LeBron James, you know, Trey, you know, the the usual suspects, right, that you would expect to lead in that list, Devin Booker outclasses them all in that that category. That's only a small part of passing, but basically that means that when he, you know, his his passing is very effective. His pass almost always leads to a point, And, and that's nothing to sleep on. I'm with you on Devin Booker. I can't for the life of me understand why anybody would beat their <laughs> be beating their chest saying that Collins Texan should be in a top 100 list. Because uh, 100, yeah, I can understand that. I, I don't understand why you would want him in that list right now because this guy is – he's not even the best guard on their team right now. He's highly inefficient. He's highly turnover prone. He looks good. He looks good playing, right? Like he's 6'3". He's, he's, got, he's got a good build. He he doesn't finish well. Like this guy is – he's not a good player. Like I'm, I'm with you on Devin Booker. I want you to understand we're friends, and I'm with you on, on Devin Booker. He shouldn't be 27. You No one should be beating their chest for Colin Sexton to be on this list. Yeah, I'm a Cavs fan, and Colin Sexton does not deserve to be on the top 100 list. And – Let's look at the advanced statistics. And I'm going to 
goes to the regular statistic, there's still third in wind shares, despite a very high usage rate. And if we go to VORP, one moment, please. He go, he is ranked, oh, uh, 243rd. So those are the advanced stats that show he's well below top 100. And let's look at the more traditional stats, points, rebounds, assists. Yes, he can score fairly well. The problem is he's in a point guard's body around like six. I, I, I'm get, I hear different heights, six one, six two. some say 6'3". So let's split the middle, call him 6'2". He is in a point guard's body, and he can't pass. He turns the ball over a lot, and it's an inefficient score, as Steven said. Mm-hmm. So he's a point guard that can't pass, he can't rebound, and he can't defend. He's one of the worst defenders in the entire league. And I'm right. saying this as a Cavs fan. I think at best he's a sixth man on a good team. He's a sixth man on a fairly good championship playoff team. That's yeah. his. That's what his ceiling is, and that's not top 100 players right now. He'll be lucky if he gets to the top 100 players in the coming years. But as of right now, you give me 120, 130, 140, 150 players, and he struggles to make that list as well. Maybe 150, but he struggles to make all the other lists. So that's Colin Sexton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm and not Devin gonna... Booker. Yeah. Oh, I'm. I'll be quick on Devin Booker because me and Isaiah have talked about this a lot, and I made my feelings well known. In the advanced stats, he's around in like Borp. He's I think twenty third or 29th in like wind shares he's like 25th or something around there he's in like the third the low 30s to high 20s so advanced stats say he's placed properly and this traditional stats like points rebounds assists they're very good but his team has had like no success and if he's and i think Isaiah really him as like a top 15 player it's not his fault but like Still, if he's really a top 15 player, as I'm sure Isaiah thinks, his team has to get close to the playoffs. They haven't even he's got a new coach, he's got a new coach every year. Yeah, every year he's got a new coach. I'm not saying he's bad, I'm saying he's a very (laughs) good player. But but Isaiah's gonna say he's like top 20, top 15. And all I argue is that Bleacher Report was right around 25, 26, 27 is where he is right now. He could get better. And maybe it is because he's had a terrible supporting cast. And when he gets that, he'll have these great numbers and team success. Those all could be true. But as of right now, around 27, that's about right. It's not clutch your chest levels of bad takes, as Isaiah would like to say. Yeah, I mean, I think you and Steven both bring up great points about Devin Booker. Um, maybe the analytics don't always favor him. By the way, Stephen, I did listen to the full podcast with Logan Newman. Great job that you guys did. I followed him on Twitter and his Facebook page. Love to hear more about them and more of a break in the game. Isaiah's got to check that episode. He's going to love it. But I feel like we talk about this Devin Booker topic every single episode, guys. This ain't Suns Radio, so I keep it short. Um, I do think he is better than a top 27 player I think he is probably around 20 to 25 and like here's the reason I I understand his warps and like some of his analytics don't look great but when you're out there on the floor like 38 to 40 minutes a game with constant coaching changes and you're getting tired out there 
your VORP's not going to look great because the people who come out and replace you, they don't play high volume minutes. It's easy for a guy who literally gets paid to play professional basketball in the NBA to come out onto the floor for about 10 to 15 minutes and look great, right? We saw it with Jeremy Lin. We saw it with a lot of other stars that kind of rose from the bench and became starters later on. It's easy to look good for that 10 to 15 minutes, right? But if you're playing 30, 40 minutes, it's a whole different ball game. So if I'm playing like 40 minutes a game and my backup comes for eight minutes a game to replace me, of course my board's not going to look as good because the guy's coming out highly energized, looking to, you know, either get a bigger contract, get more playing time. They're coming out hungry and it could be in a blowout game where the opponent has all their backups subbed in. So I look at that VORP statistic. There's a lot of holes I can poke into. And that's what I mean. When we talk about in stats class, we talk about in probability, all these numbers are for the human to interpret. They can't make decisions for us. And so that's why I have Devin Booker in my top 25. Um, I'll leave it for everyone else to give their general takes on the list. Yeah, I just just had, uh, oh, go ahead, Trevor. I'm just looking at like Zion, though he didn't really have a full season. I feel like he has a lot of potential to grow and move up on this list. So I'm like thinking, hmm, only the games that he ended up playing, he almost averaged about 28 points a game. So imagine if he was able to play an entire full season, would he be in the consider a top 15 player for 2019-2020? Hands down would be, no doubt. Kyrie Irving for first off should be off this list and maybe even Carl Anthony Towns because they missed a lot of playing time as well. But I don't know. I think like most lists, and there's two people that contributed to this list, right? There were two contributors. I don't know how two people both thought that, you know, that Kyrie and Kat should be on here compared to the other people that were excluded. And they took a lot, they took a lot of, it seems like bias in my opinion, you know, based on where they have certain guys, Trevor, but as I own, no doubt, dude is going to be a top 15 guy. No doubt. Yeah. And I uh, think, spe- Oh yeah. And I think they've mostly based this list off of a lot of winning. You look at the guys on the um, top tier of the list, like Chris Milton, Jimmy Butler, Chris Paul, all great players. Mm -hmm. But individually, I don't think they can carry a team on the level of Westbrook and on the level of Anthony Davis. Definitely not, right? But I think the list really took into account winning situations and how the player has been doing this season in terms of that. But what it disregards is, you know, locker rooms, coaching changes, stuff that, you know, where Jimmy Butler and Chris Paul and Chris Middleton haven't had to deal with as much incompetency. Other guys have struggled in that department. And, you know, you talk about Anthony Davis being minus 0.8 without LeBron on the floor. That's why they put them at number him at number eight. Keep in mind, this is his first season in L.A. And as good as that Lakers team has looked – This is also Vogel's first season coaching that team. This is a team that's completely looked different from last year to this year. They've dealt with a lot of turmoil from last season. And so I don't expect a guy like Anthony Davis to come in and just completely play extremely well without LeBron on the floor. We saw how LeBron did with the Lakers last year. It wasn't pretty. So why should we knock Anthony Davis for it when LeBron James couldn't get it done with the Lakers by himself on the floor last year. 
Yeah, but I before we move on from this topic, I just have two general observations that we haven't discussed already. Number one, I feel like defensive big men were just very much and madly disrespected. You're telling me that Brooke Lopez, a big man that can play defense with the best of them and shoot threes, isn't a top 50 player? They ranked him like 56. I find that hard to believe. Uh, Steven Adams, who's a huge part of why the Thunder are so good this year, he's like at 55 in like the mid-50s. Those two have to be in the top 50 from what they contribute on the basketball court. And then Clint Capella and Andre Drummond being outside the top 75. Like, I get that they don't fit the more modern era of like shooting threes, a small ball and things like that. But Clint Capella and Andre Drummond are very good perimeter or rim defenders, which is the foundation of any good defense. And in the case of Andre Drummond is a historically good rebounder. I get that their skill sets aren't optimal for today's NBA, but I still think those two should be at least in the top 75. So I think they just discounted the big man a little. And I get that the NBA is moving away from that, but they still contribute a very valuable research. And that's being the anchor of any good defense. The only and- counter I have to that point though, Ryan, is that they do have Rudy Gobert at 18. I was literally about to bring that up. They okay. value Rudy Gobert, and then everyone else, they're like, eh, they just forgot about them. I don't get how you can put Gobert at 18 and then put centers like Adams, who does a lot of the same things that uh, Rudy Gobert does all the way at, like, 55. It yeah. just seems like they should have ranked Adams higher or Rudy Gobert lower. It just – that's another inconsistency. And as much as I they saw. harp on this era as moving – yeah. Yeah, and as much as they harp on a lot of um, the NBA moving on from traditional big men, when it comes to the playoffs and playoff success, we've seen consistently that big men are able to carry their weight in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, the Oklahoma City Thunder gave the 73-9 Warriors so many gripes in 2016. And then you saw Capella versus the Warriors. He was going to be the difference in that series before Chris Paul went down with that injury. The whole reason why that series went down to seven games is because Capella was just grabbing so many boards and so many dunks over the Warriors. They couldn't handle his physicality. So, you know, as much as they try to harp on big men being phased out of the game and especially traditional big men, when the game slows down in the playoffs, we've seen time and time again, guys like Zaza Pachulio, Tristan Thompson, Steven Adams, Clint Capella. These are not superstars I'm naming, great role players are able to effectively impact the game in the championship runs. So, Oh, yeah. Just like look at LeBron when he was on the heat and they went up against the Spurs. His style of play altered very drastically with Tim Duncan on the floor and then Tim Duncan. Or LeBron would – a player like LeBron won't drive to the rim as much if you have a, you know, defensive anchor in the middle. So that goes to your point that defensive big men can change, like can really change games in the playoffs. But I want to quickly get to my second point, and that is how is Kyrie Irving number 19 and Kemba Walker is what, 24? Kyrie Irving was on the Celtics, then he left. And with Kyrie Irving leaving, Al Horford, a very good player, also left. And in to replace those two is Kemba Walker and, um, Enos Cantor. Now, Enos Cantor is nowhere near the player Al Horford is, so that's a obvious downgrade. 
And then the only other difference is Kemba at point guard. The Celtics are so much better. How, how can Kyrie Irving be ranked this high when every single team he's been on that didn't have LeBron on it plays better without him on the courts? Like the Celtics, that one year he got hurt where they took LeBron James Cavs to seven games, they were better without Kyrie Irving on the floor. You're getting caught up get... in history, though, Ryan. You're getting caught up in history when this is for this season. But I know. we talk about this season, right? I know, uh, and, but I could make the same argument. I, I'm pretty sure the statistics, at least in terms of plus minuses, show the Brooklyn Nets had a very similar thing to where they seem yeah. to be more efficient. They said without... that they're 22 and 22 when he sits compared to 8 and 12 whenever he's in the lineup. So his, his numbers are still really, really good, but the team's performance is actually supposedly, according to their record, better when he's not on the team. I feel like wow. when it came to Irving, this list completely kind of countered their point about this season's production alone. Mm-hmm. You talk about historical bias. Kyrie Irving's a guy who has won a lot with LeBron James and has had playoff success, but you know, the same arguments they use against Westbrook where they say this season analytically he hasn't looked the best. What about Kyrie Irving? The team is literally 8-12 and 12 with him on the floor, 22-22 and 22 without him on the floor. I've never seen a team where Russell Westbrook goes down and the team does better than him. You can point to all the stats you want. Damian I'm talking Lillard wins. Another one. Yeah. I've never seen the wins go down when Westbrook has left a team for any extended or any short stretch amount of time. So that is very, very counterintuitive and suspect. I think they played favorites with Kyrie Irving. For yeah, sure. and he only played 20 games. And if you look at the other guys that were excluded from the list, I mean, it seemed like that's what I was mentioning earlier about the bias with him and Carl Anthony Towns. Like, I don't know why those two are even on the list. Yeah, I just want to quickly say thank you guys. I was bringing up historical data when this – was based solely on this year. So thank you guys. Thank you, Stephen, for bringing up the stats that showed how what he did in the past was also applying to this year. So yeah. really saved me there. So thank it you. It really, it really, it happens, dude. It's easy to fall into that trap. But let's let's jump into our Madden top ten NFL quarterbacks. And for this list right here, we all know what number one is: defending Super Bowl champion and MVP, Patrick Mahomes, number one. Number two, Russell Wilson at a 97 overall. Mahomes at 99. Lamar Jackson at 94 overall. And Breeze at 93 overall. We have Carson Wentz rounding out our top 10. I want to give it to hand it over to you guys to see you know, our first take on this. Okay, so initially I was going to counter with my own top 10 and then go like into detail of why I disagree with this list. But then I thought to myself, this is Madden. This game is absolute trash. So I'm just going to bring up stats to prove how poorly (laughs) made this game is. So let's look at, say, their franchise mode. People have proposed trades to the CPU of other teams this one guy posts a picture where in a f- where in a fantasy league I guess where he had Von Miller, Aaron Donald and DeForest Buckner. He offered all three of those t- for Nick Boza and the CPU said no. Mm. So that's just one terrible trade. There's another one where let's see a fourth round pick and a cornerback for the Jets 
Dizier, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. They offered that for Quentin Nelson, the guard from the Colts. The CPU accepted that one. Yeah, he's so a really another terrible he's one. Good. He's an easy guy to get, yeah. So th- that's just ridiculous. And then this one comes from my own personal experience. Me and my roommate were joking around, and he was playing franchise mode. And we noticed the game weirdly overvalues Cole Beasley. I think this may have been the 19 version, but still. They weirdly valued Cole Beasley, even though he was only an 81 overall. He made the Pro Bowl in his franchise mode. So I was just like, all right, I'm going to start franchise mode, and I'm going to get Cole Beasley. This shouldn't be too hard. I offered the Bills, Miles Garrett, Odo Beckham Jr., and Jarvis Landry. The Bills said no. Wow. So Wow, man. That's crazy. So, yeah, that just – that one was a real mind blower. I literally could, you could only offer three players or like a combination of players and picks. And I couldn't find a three player picks or players to get Cole Beasley from the bills with the Browns roster. I couldn't do it. Cole Beasley is the goat. That's what he is. (laughs) That's what Madden thinks he is. And then just look at the gameplay itself. I played Madden 20 Every single time I played, my right tackle got beat every single time. If you if you were to play the Bears and went up against Khalil Mack, it doesn't matter if you got the best right tackle in the whole league. You're getting sacked 10 times. If he gets that stupid X factor rating or whatever, he's not blocked. <laughs> you will get sacked 10 times. The only counter is to get Lamar Jackson on your team and just run around him because he's the only quarterback who they don't make – make them have Drew Brees and pay Manny level speed in the backfield. So yeah, I, I'm so case in point, all this is just trying to say this, this game is so horribly made. All EA cares about is their, um, my team packs making money off of people that buy the game every single year and then pay for the additional uh, loot boxes or whatever they call it. And that's all they care about. And they're getting tons of money that way. So they're like, why make a good game? Why even put effort into it? Let's just slap something together and call that a game. And that's what these rankings show. Just an incompetent made game. And really, people should stop being offended that their Madden rating is low. Because really, I don't think anyone at EA who works on the Madden games really watches football that much. That's my work in theory. Yeah, I look at this list, man, and number one, Mahomes, 99, number two, Wilson, 97. I have no gripes about that. But then after that, it gets a little bit murky, man. I mean, Lamar Jackson was a 92 overall last year, and this year he's a 94. Let that sink in. 15-1 and regular season. MVP of the entire NFL. He's the Madden cover athlete. You can make all the arguments you want about like Madden not watching much football, but I don't know how you look at Lamar Jackson's body of work from last year to this season. And I know he did decently well in limited time last year and made a playoff appearance and turned around the Ravens. But I don't know how you go from the 2018 season to 2019 and you say he only improves two rating points within Madden. You have him as your cover athlete. That's just embarrassing. It it truly cannot be explained to me. I think he's at least a 97 overall. And then the other two ones, Tom Brady at number five. Tom Brady, I understand he's got the Tampa Bay offense working for him. He didn't have the best offense in New England, 
but I don't think he's a top five quarterback anymore. And there may be some discussion that he's not a top 10 quarterback anymore. He's getting up there in age. And, you know, as much as you guys want to meme Matt's Kellerman's cliff, it's going to come eventually. It didn't come in 2017, <laughs> but, you know, 2020, 2021. You keep saying it every year. Eventually you're going to be right. Well, I didn't say it in 2017 or 2019. Oh, no, I, I thought Max was been saying that. Yeah. I would but, say I thought Max was saying that since like 2015. He's been saying it for a while now. I thought he said it first when Tom Brady was like 37 or 38. It was a long time ago. Yeah, but I just think Brady at number 90 or Brady at number five and a 90 overall still seems a bit high to me. And then finally, Kirk Cousins, man, he finally had a big playoff win on the Vikings. They've been saying that he can't play winning football for an organization right so first he carries the redskins to divisional crown also wild card appearance with the washington redskins you guys know how dysfunctional that organization is don't and even need now, to remind me steven you don't even have to remind now me he he has an epic performance against the saints tosses the game-winning touchdown to kyle rudolph delivers the ball jimmy g couldn't throw in the super bowl to adam Thielen. this guy wins against arguably one of the best teams in the NFL. They were seen as a clear number two to the Niners. And he's still not listed as a top 10 quarterback. I mean, what more does this guy have to do? I better watch my guy go to the Super Bowl, and he still wouldn't be considered a top 10 quarterback. Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz are two of the most overrated quarterbacks I've seen in my time watching the NFL. These guys don't do too much when it comes to winning. Kirk Cousins... He does lead to winning football, and he proved it this year. I'll make you upset. I went to EA just to see where other quarterbacks are, and Kirk Cousins not even there at exactly, this point in time. Man. He's not even there. I checked with Philip Rivers. Ratings not even, not there. even out. And Jared Goff not even there. I'm like, how am I supposed to compare my other quarterbacks and say who I want to play? Throw Goff in the trash. It's As a Rams fan, I'm saying throw Goff in the trash. And the funny thing is, all the like first draft rated quarterbacks that got drafted this year all have profile pictures except for Jalen Hurts. Come on, guys. <laughs> this is really bad, EA. <laughs> this is crazy. Listen, all I'm going to say is, like, I, I can't really – I'm not in the position to judge this game because um, I I honestly haven't played it for, like, four years now. Like, I I'm, I don't what? play it. You're uh, lucky. You are lucky. That's yeah, that's a good I, thing, not a bad Matt, thing. Madden is just so trash that I decided, you know what, I'm taking my talents to NCAA, and I've been playing that instead, dominating 14-0 national champion. But that's another story for, the diff- for a different subtle day. Subtle flex, but... Isaiah, subtle flex. <laughs> hey, yeah, I gotta, you better watch gotta, out because you're 0.6 against me in NCAA. But the only thing on the list that I really have a problem with is, like, Deshaun Watson. I think his ratings should be a bit higher. Like, 86, I would put him somewhere in the 90s. That's, like, the only thing I have for it. But, hey, as I said in the beginning, I'm not really – I can't really judge because my Madden record, I went to the the Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos and with Mike Shanahan, and I threw, like, eight picks. And I was like, yep, I'm done with this game. I'm done. Not, Not playing ever again. All right, so I'm going to be the resident, like, pro Madden guy in this group. I get that there's a lot to you can poke fun at, right, and there's a lot of things with the game engine. I'm not going to bore everybody with that, right? But 
I, you know, who cares about these these Madden lists? The Madden players. You watched, you know, you watched first take today. They had, um, ah, I'm forgetting his name. We were just talking about it earlier. The Arizona Cardinals quarterback, uh, Kyler Murray. Murray. Kyler Murray. Thank you. They just had him on today, and he was complaining that his rating was only a 77 because that's where it ended last season, right? So the players care about it. And I think that game makers know that. And when the players care about it and they feel like they're snubbed, they're going to promote the game for them even more, whether or not you you agree with them or not, right? And I did make a top 10 list, and I think I'm going to make a couple of guys in the group happy. Number one, I kept Mahomes. I try, you know, I'll give them 100 if they'd let me, right? Uh, Russell Wilson, I kept him at number two, 97, kept that. Deshaun Watson, third at a 95. There I said it. I kept Jackson where he is overall as a ranking at a 94 at number four. Number five, Aaron Rodgers at 90. Number six, Drew Brees at an 89. Number seven, Tom Brady at an 88. Number eight, Matt Ryan at an 87. Jimmy Garoppolo, y'all were talking about Kirk Cousins and everybody else, and y'all didn't even mention the NFC representative in the Super Bowl. I got him at number eight at an 83. And then rounding out my top 10, tied at 83 is Kirk Cousins. I, Let's go, man. The only, Thanks for the only major, the only major thing I have to say about that list is where's Matthew Stafford? This man is a criminally underrated quarterback. I have him as my fifth best quarterback, to be honest. But I'll make you feel better, Ryan. His throwing rating is a 94. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I don't know why, but I've taken to champion Matthew Stafford for some reason. I just think he gets very much underrated by a good majority of the fans, but he only played eight games. Maybe if he plays a full season this year, things will change. But For a different team, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> the Lions would be silly to do that, but if they do, some other team will be very lucky. They've been silly before. That is All right, true. let's get into um, our topic about the number one player. I want in this to make list. one more final comment. Yeah, go ahead, Trevor. Trevor, are you still there? I think we lost our guy. I'm man. still there. Oh, man. Hello? Trevor? Yes. You there? Yes. yes you you're, got... you're back with All us, right. Trevor. I don't know what happened, but so my comment is I went to the throwing ratings and they made Josh Allen 99 throw rating. I don't know how I should feel about that. <laughs> it's absolutely laughable. <laughs> I like Josh Allen, but I don't think he's there. Like maybe like 99 overall over Patrick Mahomes with a 97. That is insane. Is this throw power or throw rating like overall? Throw power. Throw power. It's how strong they can throw the football. Mm. I could see. I could see that. I mean, ninety nine. I like Josh Allen, but a ninety nine. That's nuts. Like ninety seven. I could. Yeah. I could get on board with a ninety seven, ninety six, but. Yeah, it probably should have been ninety seven, but it's not too far off. It's two points in the end, at the end of the day. Yeah, but it's like the highest also, like two points to the absolute max. Yeah, but yeah, let's can't that hold that down the excellent too long. <laughs> I'm just putting it at that. 
A 99 throwing power man. I bet you number one on that list, Patrick Mahomes, will have a 99 throwing power as well. Should. No, Patrick Mahomes is only a 97, but he should have a 99 if Josh Allen is. Close to a 90 or close to a 99 enough, man, but he's 99 overall. He's the number one quarterback on the list. And I want to get into our next topic, which is about number one, Patrick Mahomes. And that's this thing right here, man. Everybody is talking about how his deal with the Chiefs, the 10-year deal is an absolute bargain. And I agree, man. He's averaging around high 30s to low 40s a year. You can't hate the contract. They did a really great job of, you know, backloading a lot of the big money to allow them to assign their top players to new deals like Travis Kelsey and Damian Williams down the line and Tyreek Hill. But, you know, the question I have for you guys today is that Mahomes has been operating under a raw Andy Reid offense. That offense features so many amazing targets, amazing coaching from Reid. So how many quarterbacks in the NFL could win the Super Bowl as a starter on the Kansas City Chiefs? I'll go real quick. I only got two names, guys. Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Those are only two that I can see in the in the NFL right now that can make this system work because they're both athletic and they both got the arm strength and they both got the accuracy. Those are only two guys that I can see that can fit every single category that Mahomes brings to the table. Not just accuracy, not just athleticism, not just strength, but all three. Those are my two guys. Oh, yes. Um, I agree that Russell Wilson easily could have done it. He's the only quarterback I'll say for sure like 100% certainty, would have won the Super Bowl this year. But I'm going to say two additional quarterbacks, and I'm going to use a lot of the same reason you gave. Like, he, they had to be accurate, but they also had to have, like, a big arm and a bit of, like, a gunslinger mentality. So that will eliminate people like Drew Brees and, like, Lamar Jackson, who are very good quarterbacks, but they just don't fit the system very well because – they may not have the biggest arm or may not just be that accurate throwing the ball down the field. Yeah, no disrespect to any of those guys, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. So I just wanted to put that out there to clarify why I don't have like Lamar Jackson or Drew Brees on this list. But the other two quarterbacks that, and I'm going to say maybe 50-50 win the Super Bowl this year is Deshaun Watson because he fits the athleticism, throw power, accuracy, all that. He fits that to a T. Yeah, very fair, very fair. I don't agree with Aaron Rodgers because I think he's on a bit of a downward trend. In fact, like on my quarterback list, I have him ranked like 12th. I just think But what targets does he have, Ryan? I mean, he'll have good targets, but Green Bay had a fantastic running game this year. And stats like quarterback rating under pressure and uh, when Blitz took a – not decent, tr- not decent drop, but a drop nonetheless. Even with a strong running game and a decent defense, it did fail him in the playoffs, obviously. But a decent defense nonetheless. And with all that, his stats just weren't that impressive when you look at them. When you look at them more, or look at the stats in a little more detail. So that's why I don't have him on this list. You give him a Tyreek Hill or a Travis Kelsey, though, he'd probably look a lot better. He'd be nasty, man. Yeah, I'm telling you. Eh, I'm going to have to agree to disagree on this one. I'm just not as high on Aaron Rodgers. But 
the second quarterback I have is Matthew Stafford. Not the most athletic guy, but in terms of arm strength, accuracy down the field, he could definitely make it work with a Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. He is – it was really hard. Like, for me, it's for sure Russell Wilson, maybe like 60% Deshaun Watson, and Matthew Stafford only like 40%. But all the other quarterbacks don't even have like a 20% chance in my opinion. So – while it's unlikely of Matthew Stafford, it's possible. And that's why, and that's my, uh, and that's my qualifier. Besides Russell Wilson, who is a certainty, Matthew Stafford and Deshaun Watson are possible winners. And that's really the only three quarterbacks I think could have even won the Super Bowl in any situation or any universe. And that is a sizzling hot take, Ryan. Um, for me, I think there's five or six quarterbacks on this list and, you know, you guys are going to think that, you know, I'm being a little bit bullish on the top quarterbacks here, but I'll explain a couple of them. I think you and Steven did a great job of covering like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson as well. I'll add three more guys to my list. I will say Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Lamar Jackson. And I understand that these three guys don't have the same throwing power as Patrick Mahomes, but you look at the guys that the Chiefs play with, and the targets that they have on that team, Damian Williams, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, um, Sammy Watkins, all of these guys could be turned into great possession receivers as well. And as we know that, like Tom Brady doesn't have the arm. He doesn't have the athleticism that Patrick Mahomes has. And I don't even think he's a top five quarterback in today's NFL, right? But his play style is that he has a laser fast release. He has a really quick release and he keeps the ball out of the opponent's hands. So while he might not get you that 50 to 55-yard bomb to score in a minute and a half or so, he's going to keep the football away from the other team. And, you know, they say sometimes the best defense is offense in time of possession. Brady's one of the guys who is great in terms of eating up clock. Same with Breeze. These guys don't have the arm strength that Mahomes or Watson or Russell Wilson do. They don't have that elusiveness, but they could easily take a Tyree Killer Travis Kelsey and get them to eat up that clock. They could drive down the field, consistently convert on third down. They could still throw the deep ball from time to time. I think they win the Super Bowl with those guys. And with Drew Brees, I understand he's come up short with the Saints, but I compare that Saints offense to the Chiefs offense. They're pretty, you know, similar in terms of strength. Um, and Brees has come up very, very close to winning it all in the past couple of seasons. He couldn't get past my Vikings because of a couple of, you know, amazing plays on offense and on defense. But he's been in that conversation every single year. And I guarantee you, man, if he has Andy Reid in that Chiefs offense to help lead him the way, and with that, the weaker AFC, I think he could get it done. I think, though, like the way that I read this question, though, Stephen, is like, if you were just to copy and paste any other quarterback and put them in this offense, right? Like that's how I look at it. Like you're talking about a lot of like things that would have to go absolutely perfect for these guys that are slower and have a weaker arm. Right. I look at Wilson and Rogers and Ryan, thank you for pointing out Deshaun Watson. I actually did think about him a little bit. You pushed me over the edge into thinking, yeah, there's probably three guys that can do it. And those three guys could come in tomorrow run that offense the exact same way and win a Super Bowl is how I looked at it. Okay. Yeah, and I agree, And that's Steven. a fair point. 
And I agree with Steven. I mean, you have to look at it. You have to look at the Chiefs roster. They have Tyreek Hill. Uh, uh, who's the kid they just drafted? Hart- Hartman? Miko Hartman from last season. Hartman, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, Sammy Watkins. These are all speed guys. These aren't like slot receivers or like receivers that can like spot up. Find the they're not Julian Edelman. Yes, they're not Julian Edelman. For, that, that's the best way to describe it. They're not the Julian Edelmans of the world. So to maximize the wide receiver core, you need to have a big arm that can consistently and accurately throw the ball down the field. And you'll counter with Travis Kelsey. And yes, Travis Kelsey is a guy that can find an opening in the zone. But I guarantee you, he will not be open nearly as much if you didn't have Tyreek, the threat of Tyreek Hill and Hartman and Watkins down the field. So yes, Lamar Jackson and Drew Brees are fantastic quarterbacks. I just don't think their skill sets matches this offense, which is why I personally didn't include them. Same, same for me. I like it. I like that Steven restricted it to three quarterbacks. And, you know, we need to have some kind of strict requirements sometimes when we pose questions like these. I looked at it more like, you know, who can optimize these personnel to win the Super Bowl? But if you're saying, you know, day one, you're sticking with the same game plan that they have for Patrick Mahomes right now to win the Super Bowl. I agree then that list narrows to three to four guys. I want to go to Trevor and Isaiah. For me personally, this list is like, you can argue many different ways, but if you're looking at the Kansas City Chiefs, like their defense wasn't that great. They allow like the Chiefs to be behind 31 points. So when you look at that, what quarterback can make a comeback like that? So you already start thinking of the great names of like Tom Brady, Drew Brees to do that and make comebacks and all that stuff. So that's how I started like shifting my list. And like you start getting to like like a bubble area, like could Matt Ryan do it? Because he had like Julio Jones and all that stuff. So it's like it's he really did go hard. to the Super Bowl. He did make a Super Bowl, but he ended up blowing a league and Tom Brady made a comeback. So like that's where I came back with the whole putting the comeback in the scenario with the Kansas City Chiefs. So if you put your quarterbacks into that, there's a few quarterbacks that can make a solid comeback. That's why that list is probably like five or six guys in that aspect. A wild card I would put in the list would probably be like Cam Newton when he was did that Super Bowl run. If you put him in that offense, it's possible for him to reach the Super Bowl, maybe win it, but it probably won't be enough. But he would have enough weapons where he didn't have to do super cam and run into the end zone. He had Travis Kelsey to dump it off. So it'd be like a Greg Olson almost. Yeah, That's the only thing point. with Cam, though, is I, I just think he's not deadly accurate um, to the yeah. degree mm-hmm. of, like, Mahomes or, like, Aaron Rodgers even. And, you know, if we're approaching this question, like, the Chiefs' offense is being run the same way, like Stephen and Ryan mentioned, I think you need to make too many adjustments to have Cam win in that system. But yeah. if you're – if you're saying that you take this personnel and you maximize it to the quarterback, you develop it around the quarterback. I do think there's a good five or six guys that can win the Super Bowl with this Chiefs roster. It's just too talented to not be able to do that. All right, Isaiah, you're up. Yeah, I pretty much agree with all of you guys. Um, I have Russell Wilson, uh, Deshaun Watson because of their mobility and their accuracy. And also, um, I would put Drew Brees in there as well. And I would say maybe Tom Brady because, like, I think that with his experience and his clutchness, 
And also the fact that he loves – look what he did with Gronk. He loves throwing the tight ends. He's had so much success. I think he can make it work with Travis Kelsey. He could throw it with uh, throw it deep to Tyreek Hill. And also you have, like, running backs that he could throw it to. So I think Brady is one of the guys that I would put in. So I would go Brady, uh, Breeze, Wilson, and uh, Watson. Those are the four. A respectful list. I love it. All right, guys. Let's I, jump I in. was, I was scared he was gonna say like Nick Bolins or something ridiculous, but thankfully I Isaiah, <laughs> Gardner <laughs> Minshew, Gardner <laughs> Minshew. Hey guys, remember this no, is I not am. no BF. Good job, Isaiah. Isaiah. Is That's a good list on this show. Steven, he is not Steven. uncontained on this show. Well, hey Stephen, before we uh, move on to our Power Five. I just got to say one last thing, and that is if Nick Mullins was replacing Jimmy Garoppolo in the Super Bowl, I believe the 49ers would have won it. You're crazy. Stop it. You're crazy. Stop it. Stop it. Nick Mullins can put some garbage numbers up against the Seahawks down by 30, and that's about it. But with that being said, guys, you know what time it is. Time to get into our Power 5 segment. We are getting in to our Power Five now. And for this week's Power Five, we are going to be raking our five favorite NBA players to never win a ring. For this list, we mostly kept it, kept it to former NBA players because you never know with a lot of these players, they could ride the bench like Jawan Howard did. And Tracy McGrady almost did on the Spurs to win that title. So uh, without further ado... I'm going to get into my top five. We are running a little bit long on the time, so I'll just have each of us break down our top fives one by one. So for num- my number five, I had to go with Allen Iverson, obligatory on this list, just because, you know, he really made um, basketball cool other than Jordan. I really look at, like, Michael Jordan, Allen Iverson. They took basketball to another level in terms of just bringing the – hit culture into it you know the longer shorts and everything you know disrespectful culture or just like trash talking and everything and then of course we got to remember Allen Iverson with the practice we talking about practice not a game not the game we love not the game but we sweat for and die for every day we talking about practice gotta love that Ram man he's had his iconic moments carrying the 76ers to the finals and in game one over the Shaq, Tyron Liu, and Kobe-led Lakers. So I had to put him somewhere in my top five, but I got a couple of, you know, personal biases in terms of who I like in terms of gameplay. So at number four, I go with Zach Randolph because I just love me some, you know, old school post-up kind of basketball. You don't really see that anymore in today's game. It's been phased out for the most part. I know we see like somewhat traditional big men in like Steven Adams and Clint Capella, like make really important contributions in the playoffs, but it's been a long time when we had a big man really lead the team. And in my opinion, Zach Randolph is the last traditional 
big man to really grace the NBA. The guy who could do all the post moves, do the shimmies and everything. He was also a left-handed player, fun fact. And incorporate that grit and grind style. I loved his series against the 2015 Warriors. Just amazing. I, I, I like Zach Randolph. And whenever I play Isaiah one-on-one, man, I put a little bit of Zebo in my game, man. I'm like a 5'9 Zebo out there against him. This guy can't stop me in the post, man. And number three, I'll go with Stefan Marbury. Uh, he, he was a key contributor in making the CBA popular and cool again. And, you know, he played for my Minnesota Timberwolves for some time. Wish he could have spent more time in Minnesota with KG because that team would have been raw. And Charles Barkley, who's going to be in Trevor's and Ryan's top list, he even told those guys, hey, if you guys stick together on the Timberwolves, you could be a real threat. A shame that team had to be dissolved a little early. And number two and number one, I got to rep my guys on the Houston Rockets. So number two, Tracy McGrady. You guys all know 13 points in 35 seconds. By the way, he's better than Vince Carter, man. He's had amazing peaks. Man, like McGrady's like a little bit of mini LeBron, a little bit of like a 2000s Paul George. He he brought that volume scoring into the 2000s. And Kobe Bryant even said this is the hardest guy to guard for him. He, could, he had a lot of success ahead of him, but injuries cut it short. And same with my guy, number one, Yao Ming, man. You know, being Chinese, I got to rep my, you know, fellow guy from China, Yao Ming, man, number one overall pick. A lot of people hate on this guy as like a volume player. He just grabbed a lot of rebounds, put up a lot of empty stats, but didn't win too much. They were pretty much a repetitive and routine playoff contender under McGrady and Yao Ming. And as we all remember, guys, in 2009, that team forced the Lakers to seven games. They pushed the champions to seven games. Who knows what would happened if Yao Ming didn't go down in game five or game six, if they had McGrady. But, you know, as I said in my last episode, Mark Haynes, man, injury is part of the game, and injuries are part of what creates dynasties. You look at these teams that win, and you look at – at these players on my list that didn't win a ring a lot of it comes down to bad luck for them good luck for other teams which helped to create those dynasties i yeah, want to get so, into okay go ahead guys yep. oh uh okay so i'm just gonna quickly give my list um number five rep in ohio state with mike conley has been a criminally underrated player throughout his whole career. Brian, baby. If he was in the East, he'd be like a five, six time all-star, but the West is super loaded with point guards. So he's at five for me. Number four, Allen Iverson for all the reasons Steven gave and just an amazing player. I just wish the 76ers could have given him more help to where he could have gotten a ring. That would have been cool to see. Number three, Charles Barkley. I never really got to watch Charles Barkley play, but his, but him as like an announcer and a commentator is just super entertaining. Like you have to love the guy. So I'm going to put him at number three, number two, not a former player, but I'm such a huge fan. I had to put him on this list. Russell Westbrook for for all for everything said about him. I know fans don't, I know some fans don't like him, but at the end of the day, he's a team player. He's in, in interviews always puts the team first and will like, shout down questions that try to insinuate that the team's not that great without him like he did on the thunder a few years back i just love the guy 
And at number one, this one's obvious probably to most people in this podcast. I put this guy in all five spots if I could, Vince Carter. I, I just really love Vince Carter, his love for basketball. It, it, you just have to root for the guy. I mean, it's a shame that he didn't, as Isaiah says, live up to his potential and potentially win some rings and, you know, put up better stats to get into more people's top 50. But it is what it is. But I love the guy. So Vince Carter, number one for me. You had to do me like that, Ryan. You had to do me. Last episode with Steven on board, uh, Isaiah and I gave our very hot takes on Vince Carter. And now Ryan puts him atop his power five list for players that didn't win a ring, man. I love it. I love the little back and forth we got going over here. But I want to jump over to Steven now for, for his top five list. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'll make this quick. Uh, number five, I'm kind of a homer with this pick, right? Joe Johnson out of the University of Arkansas. Mm, love him. I think he was a he's a guy that is kind of borderline Hall of Fame level but you know he you know in phoenix and atlanta he was really 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 good utah he had some some really good games for them especially in the playoffs i saw joe he's still doing it he was on the he was in the the basketball tournament that the espn put on lately and he was he was balling out there too he looks nba ready number four chris weber something to be said about him as a player who as a four could you imagine him in the game today with his ball handling passing shooting you know, he would definitely focus on that three-point, you know, shot. He's actually led the league in rebounds, too, so a lot of people don't really realize, like, how good he was on the boards as well. That uh, souped-up Draymond right there, Steven. Yeah, I mean, he's I, – I like I like Webby a lot, man. Uh, three, uh, beating a dead horse with this one, AI, for all the reasons that everybody else made. Uh, Ryan, with my number two pick, I'm going to kind of piggyback off of you. Charles Barkley. Could you imagine him and Shaquille O'Neal, you know, battling it out and Shaq not being able to pull the uh, how many rings you got? You know, have you ever got a ring before conversation? Not only that, but the dude was nice. If you watch the last dance, he he had a lot of shine on there, you know, for for a player or two. And Michael Jordan really wasn't one to hand out compliments. Uh, and then number one, uh, a guy that I've like I would like to think that I've modeled my game after uh, Steve Nash two-time MVP I think a lot of times that he kind of gets you know a lot of people say oh he stole a ring from Kobe when like he's a averaging a double double he's in the 50 40 90 club and his team is always playing well you know like 50 wins a game right and uh you know his passing very very good I think his credibility amongst you know NBA fans would be more substantiated right if he was a, an nba champion i just love the way he plays super unselfish you know but can carry can carry an offensive load as well yeah it's and you know the thing the about steve nash oh go ahead steven they talk about d'antoni really enhancing this guy's game and everything and now you see d'antoni doing it with harden into westbrook to a lesser degree right but neither, neither of those guys are doing the 50 40 90 average neither of them are joining that 50 40 90 club so D'Antoni might be be able to amp up the offensive volume for Nash, but he didn't average those 50, 40, 90 figures. It was a Heck perfect no. marriage. It's like the Belichick-Brady thing. You know what I mean? Like, to me, that's the the D'Antoni and Nash argument to a lesser degree, obviously, because they didn't have the same level of success. But 
Yeah, but personality-wise and meshing, chemistry-wise, totally agree with that. Brian, go ahead. I, I was just going to say it's a shame that the Lakers didn't get him like five years earlier and maybe like Dwight two years earlier because he probably would have had a ring in that case, but he waited too long. He was like 41 by the time he got on a team that had a, had a shot outside of his Phoenix hated, Sundays. Hated seeing him in the purple and gold. Hated that. Yeah, Ryan, I, I totally agree with you, man. If the Lakers had uh, Steve Nash from five years and Dwight Howard from two years, that rivalry between LeBron, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade versus Kobe, Dwight Howard, and Steve Nash, oh, my gosh, that would have been super exciting and fun to watch. No doubt, Isaiah. That's a great point, man. Yeah, Let's but I'm going to – Stay your top five list, Isaiah. Yeah, sure. Actually, I want I want to make one more point before I give my list, and that is Stephen was mentioning something about how he like models his game after Zebo, and he against uh, you, I do. Yeah, yeah. Man, you're puny me. in the post out there, man. You can't stop <laughs> yeah. me. I got two words for you. Actually, not even words. Numbers seven zero. That's it. Yeah, one <laughs> win against me on a fifteen. Congrats, man. All right, that would probably be your NCAA record against me soon enough. But. I got T-shirts hey, coming out. But anyways, here's my list. So I'm going to go from number five all the way down to number one. Number five is obvious, man. It's a guy that I talk about a lot on this show. Devin Booker. I know he's oh still Oh, my very, gosh. Hey, he's still very, very you young. Saw this coming. This, you I saw this coming. You saw this coming. guy get a ring bad, right, man. This that is, is why. Suns Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Dude is like 24 years old. Give him a- yeah, but he's the guy I really want to see a goodness. ring. I want to see him end up on my Lakers with LeBron and AD. In fact, I got posters already made. I've been sending like the Lakers front office pictures of LeBron, AD, and Booker all in the same uniform on the Lakers jersey. I've been sending them every weekend. I really want to see this guy get a ring. Uh, number four is a guy that – I don't think a lot of people give him any love, but he's really underrated, and that's Amari Stoudemire. Thank that you. Guy, I almost yes. put him. I almost put him. Same draft class as Yao. He was a beast with uh, Phoenix and the New York Knicks. Like if you he had totally redeemed him, yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I wanted to see him get a ring bad. Uh, number three, Reggie Miller, one of the best sharp shooters we've ever seen. This guy was so clutch. And it's just a shame that he didn't get – like, he uh, he had to – he couldn't get past Jordan. Uh, number two is Charles Barkley, obviously, with the reasons that you guys gave. And number one, uh, Stephen pro- said this earlier, Yao Ming. You know, I idolized him as a kid. Yao Ming, um, Yao Ming, Yao Ming, like, Yao Ming. I was one of the tall – yeah, I was one of the taller kids in my class. So – being the taller kids in my class, obviously I was playing center all the time. So I emulated my game after Yao Ming. If you look at my basketball moves right now, they are all em- emulated after Yao Ming. I've got the hook shots, the the post up, and, you know, the turnaround bank. I got those. So, yeah, Yao Ming is my number one. Yeah, man, I agree. You got some Yao Ming moves in there for sure, man. But you got the 12-year-old physique of Kristaps Porzingis, man. And that's why I'm going all Zebo on the post on you. Dude? <laughs> I was going to say that it's it's nice that you model your game after him and you do all the moves that Yao Ming did. It's just a shame you don't make them against Steven like <laughs> Yao Ming made them against NBA players. <laughs> Ooh. All right, Ryan, before I don't we continue to be an this fortune of Isaiah, man. 
Ryan, I don't need to be an offensive player, though. All I just got to do is rebounds and block shots and protect the paint. Hey, Isaiah. You score on one-on-one, though. I say it's one-on-one. Isaiah, if you could not put Devin Booker in this top five, who's your other five, man? Come on. Oh, man. It, I was going to put Jaron Williams, honestly. Like, Ooh. because he was, was really good. good with Utah. He was and, outstanding. Yeah, he was. A lot of people thought he was a scrub, but that was because of his Cleveland days. But in Utah, he was great. I liked him better than Chris Paul at one point, man, watching the game. I'm not even going to lie. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, was be- he was the best point guard in the league when he was in Utah. It was him, Chris Paul, and Rondo. Mm-hmm. It was very close, but I agree with you guys in that he was a little bit better than them. Man, yep. he, he was nice and calm, man. And he did, to my hating, he, he knocked out Tracy McGrady and Yao out of the playoffs that one year. So still holding that against him. Nope, not gave, putting him in my top five. All right, let's go to Lakers Trevor. A fight too. He gave my Lakers a fight in the postseason. All right. So my list, it was hard because I started thinking of like current players. So I said like D Rose and Melo, but they're still playing. So it's possible for them to be traded and put on a team to win a ring. But teams that I'm going to look at. So my fifth spot is Steve Nash, well-rounded player, very respectful. And it's just a shame that he didn't win a ring. He had the opportunity to play with Kobe, but a little too late in that sense. Everyone was past their prime in reality and just fell apart. Man, Number four is Allen Iverson. It makes sense for him to be on the list. His personality, Philadelphia, he had that big, basically Philly might in him. So really worked perfectly with Philadelphia. Number three will surprise you is Patrick Ewing. Going way back, playing against Michael Jordan. He was coming out as the best out of college and Michael Jordan surpassed him in the NBA. So you kind of have that debate in there. My number two is Charles Barkley. My number one is Tracy McGrady. So all the all been said, but like the list is there. You just have to think about it. Like I thought about thinking about other players like Moses Malone. He won one. So like you have to like maybe do a little bit more research on who won a ring. But at the same time, it's like it's fun doing that research in the end. Yeah, fun for sure. And Trevor, you know, being a Pennsylvania guy. I'm surprised you didn't put AI higher on your list, man. The Philly man. I know, but like, there's still a lot of other great players out there that have not won a ring. So respect to you for not just being an absolute homer though with that though. I mean, on the other side of that coin, I think that's, that's pretty dope. Cause I could put my tumbo on there. <laughs> no, 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 not in my house. <laughs> yeah. I honestly thought about my tumbo at fifth for me, but I was a homer and went with the Ohio State kid. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's how I chose my fifth spots. It was a modest homer take, though, at, at five. At least it wasn't number one. Yeah, that's true. Although, technically, Vince Carter is, I guess, being t- a little bit of a homer just because I've championed his cause to, like, Stephen and Isaiah, who love to say – or at least Isaiah loves to say that Vince Carter's just a slightly – lesser version of like a uh, Aaron Gordon or something like that. I forget what you said, Isaiah. I said this that guy gener- put no, Devin Booker as number five in this man. <laughs> I At 24 years old, man. He's gonna yeah. remember. I said our generation's going to remember him as a Vince Carter because we didn't watch him play. When we watched him play, he was already like with the magic and 
I don't even know the other teams he played for, but he was like on Dallas, the Dallas Phoenix. Yeah. He was on the downhill of his career. He like the only thing we're gonna remember, like our generation's gonna remember from Vince Carter, is him dunking. That's it. Which Here's is the sad. thing. Here's the thing. I watch the NBA fairly regularly. I don't think I've seen Aaron Gordon play in more than two games because he's on the Magic and he averages like 12 points a game. To compare that to Vince Carter, who at one point in time was a all-star and an all-pro, albeit, or all-NBA, albeit never first team, but still, that's yeah. pretty darn good. To compare him to Aaron Gordon in any way is 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 ridiculous. I'm sorry, Isaiah. Yeah, they're not even similar play styles, bro. Zach Levine is more of a, a Vince Carter. Yeah, play style-wise, man. But yeah. anyway, you know, I don't think we need to take – a guy who put a 24-year-old Devin Booker at number five in this <laughs> list. Too seriously, guys. But he but, did know, put Amare on there. That That's one of my Hey, favorites. respect there, man. Same yeah. draft class think, as Yao. But... I think you guys are being a little hard on Isaiah. I honestly thought he put Devin Booker number one. So, to <laughs> me, this is very modest to put him at five. Only five? I thought for sure he was going to be top three, if not one. That's because I see a bleak future for him because right now he's playing in Phoenix and there's rumors he's going to either end up in Minnesota or New York in a Ooh, trade. And we know go. damn well they're not, like Minnesota and New York, even with Minnesota having a potential big three of D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, and Devin Booker, they ain't winning a championship. Yo, Isaiah, listen to my shows, man. You might be a little bit more optimistic about Phoenix, all right? Hey. I'm just saying they got some good stuff going on. I, hey, I speaking of Steven's show, man, that's going to wrap it up for here at – for us here at Sun Sports Radio. Oh, wait, <laughs> I meant MI6 Sports Network, fan response, guys. And, you know, be sure to tune into some of Steven's content. It's really good. I listened to, you know, some of his podcasts on Breaking the Game on Spotify. You can follow him there. You can follow his page on All Aspects Sports on Facebook. I've attached all the links in the description for you guys. That's going to do it for us here Steven, Steven. over at Fan Response. Steven. And this has been episode 28. Go ahead, Steven. Isaiah. Yeah, um, I just wanted to make one last quick announcement, and that is make sure you guys tune in next week, Saturday. We're going to have uh, Denver radio host Benjamin Albright, who's the beat writer for the Broncos, join us to talk about all things Broncos and also all things Colorado sports. All right. Thank you, guys, and good night. Hey, thanks, guys. Yes, thank you, Stephen, for being our first reoccurring guest. So, hey, dude, I'll be honor. I'll be the first three Pete too. I mean, whenever you guys want to have me, guys. All right, guys. So we hope been, so. This has been Fan Response, and we're signing off now. All right. Good night. Fulfill a prophecy, be something great. Go make a legacy, manifest destiny. Back in the days, we wanted everything, wanted everything. Mama said. Said, don't give up, it's a living